The scripture this morning is taken from Isaiah, the 40th chapter, beginning with verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, and the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all the people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid, says to the towns of Judah. Here is your God. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. The gospel reading this morning comes from the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That is is written in Isaiah the prophet. Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, who shall prepare thy way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And there went out to him all of Jerusalem and all the people of Judea. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and had a leather girdle around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes one who is mightier than I the thong of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Please pray with me. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Open our ears, open our hearts, open our lives to new ways of being in your love. Amen. Sometimes when you hear the same thing all of the time, it starts getting less and less meaningful. For example, pretty soon we're going to be getting all sorts of ads and things on the television talking about sales. There's a special sale going right now at Target. It's having a special one-day sale. Sears is having a three-hour sale, Saturday only. 
Um, Kohl's is having a yellow dot sale where things will be 50 to 75% off. Um, you better get there fast because there are incredible deals at these sales. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for you, and you don't want to miss it. When you see these commercials or read these ads, you might feel a sense of urgency. At first you think, wow, I really might want to go. There might be something that I want. It sounds too good to miss. But after a while, the advertising becomes less and less meaningful. You start to realize that Target has a one-day sale every week. This Saturday only three-hour sale at Sears will happen again. There's no doubt about that. And when you go to the yellow dot sale at Kohl's, you realize that you don't need any of the things that have a yellow dot on them. The advertising, the sales, it all becomes less and less meaningful. And the reason is why is because we've become so saturated. We hear the language all, all, all the time. Do you notice that as soon as October, as soon as, you know, Halloween rolls around, guess what's out? Christmas. How many of you have already seen Christmas? Christmas and Halloween out together. Okay, it gets saturated. It starts feeling obnoxious. I wonder if this is sometimes how we look at the figure of John the Baptist. Repent, repent, the kingdom of the Lord is near. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I heard it before. But have you noticed? Jesus hasn't come back yet. So we really need to keep moving on with things. So I want us to take a closer look at John the Baptist. So you realize right away that he's different than all of the others. There used to be a song on Sesame Street that always goes through my head when I think about John the Baptist. It's three of these kids belong together. Three of these kids are kind of the same. Can you guess which kid is doing his own thing? That's John the Baptist. <laughs> you don't think, you wouldn't see him at any of those one-day sales. We were told that he was dressed in clothing made of camel's hair, not necessarily the highest fashion. He had a leather belt, probably homemade, around his waist. Instead of a Sunday roast, we were told that he ate locust and wild honey. Anybody fixing locust and wild honey tonight? He probably would have done well on any of the television series we see, like Survivor or Man vs. Wild. But he probably would have been the first one voted off the island because of the things he said and his message. He doesn't use that spiritual sappy talk we hear. He doesn't use all those cliches about caring and sharing and family and giving and hugging. We'll start seeing those ads too. You can tell right away that he's not a salesman. John the Baptist will not try to sweet talk you into anything. And he's certainly not a politician trying to match his words to whatever popular opinion of the day is. Now, after this week, I could lead us down a conversation down the road about repentance and the government shutdown as a sign of the kingdom being near, but I'm not going down that road. But let's consider how we might respond to our government as a result of the example of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, he is a breath of fresh air. This guy does not care what people think or say about him, and his message is one that hits you smack in the face and into the deepest part of our hearts. What would it be like to meet John the Baptist? If John the Baptist sat across from you at your kitchen table, what do you think he would say to you? 
This is what I've been thinking about this week. How do we prepare a way in the wilderness? What does it mean to yield to God's plan for our lives, for the world? John the Baptist has words to share with us this morning. Let's take a look at his credentials. He's not just another guy trying to get you to come to church. John would say to you he had a special job. The prophet Isaiah talks about John when he wrote, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John had been spoken about in the Old Testament before he was alive. His job was to prepare people for the coming of the Messiah. Not only was he preparing a way for the Messiah, he was preparing a way in the wilderness. Wilderness. Show of hands, anyone know some wilderness? Can anyone point to some wilderness in the Middle East? In our government? In our city? In our homes? Ouch. In our hearts? See, it's significant that he was preparing a way, but more than that, that he was preparing a way in the wilderness. The wilderness that's spoken about in the beginning of our salvation history, starting with Exodus through Moses, Elijah, and David. The language of the Bible in relationship to John the Baptist in the wilderness is the same from the Old Testament, and will continue after him in the ministry of Jesus, who will experience his own wilderness. John the Baptist brings a message that God, not John the Baptist, God is bringing forth a way out of captivity, a way that is better, a way that will liberate us. For Christians, baptism is a part of this, but really we need to revisit our baptism and what it means to live accordingly. St. Teresa of Avila has a great quote that I I talk about pretty often, and it talks about us being Christ's hands and feet in the world. Yes, this is a helpful image, but really I'm here to tell you that while our belief in Christ and reference to his teachings and ultimately acceptance of our salvation is key, we may not need to spend so much time trying to be like our Savior. We need to spend some more time doing what John the Baptist did. He pointed. You see, when Christ came, John the Baptist, what did he do? He said, there goes the Lamb of God. He was telling the people. Maybe our task is to be with people at work, at school, in our families, saying, oh, look what God is doing. We need to point out to others how God is at work in the world. Oh, did you see that? We need to be about pointing those things out that God is doing in the world, in, in our own lives. For me, John the Baptizer is a very helpful figure. It can be a slippery, slip, slippery slope, you can't even say it, slippery slope us trying to be the Messiah. You see, the Messiah has already come. In youth ministry, it's helped me keep my own ego in check and then be able to frame the world in moments and in space where God is indeed at work and point that out. Maybe we need to do more yielding to God. I've been studying the book of James with some other women, and recently we got into some great stuff about yielding. In James 3:17 from the New King James Version, it reads, "The wisdom that is from above is pure, 
then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Willing to yield. The writer of this study spoke of yielding as a part of repentance, and I never really thought of that. The work of forgiveness is an act of yielding. So yes, clearly repentance is a part of how John the Baptist went about convincing people to turn their lives around and to be baptized. But to repent is to yield to God. Don't stop moving. When you yield to someone on the road, you're saying, okay, it's your turn, go. Go ahead of me. And then you keep going. This is what John did. He was on the road and Jesus came on the scene and he said, oh yes, it's you. Go ahead, it's time for you to go. But it didn't stop there. You know what happens when we yield? We breathe. How many of us get going in a given day and then something, maybe a long line at the grocery store when you only have two items, and you have to yield? Maybe you show up for a meeting that you swear started at 7 o'clock and it starts at 7.30. You yield. So we have time to take a deep breath. Maybe to pray, to think. Maybe we worry. But in those moments, where is God stirring some things up in your wilderness? A dear friend of mine worked for Questar Gas here in Salt Lake for over 25 years. He was in upper management, his kids were in college, and his, and his wife, he and his wife were planning out the second half of their life. And when that was happening, he got laid off. Smack. Middle of life one minute, wilderness the next. Fast forward after a year, a year of being unemployed, he gets a new job with a better company, but with the stipulation to move across the country. They see it as an opportunity, and they feel like it's an answer to prayer. It's where God is leading them. So they've moved. They've been gone for years and flourished in their new town. His wife is doing work that's so fulfilling, and she never thought she'd have that opportunity. The wilderness, while it was hard, didn't last forever. They even found a great church family in their new city and have been involved in many ways. He was in town a couple weeks ago, and my husband got to visit with him while taking in a Real soccer game. He said that the company was feeling the hit from the economy and that he had to lay off a lot of his staff. My husband asked if his job was at risk, and he said no, he didn't think so. It had just been really rough laying off his staff. Last week, he and his wife were at a spiritual retreat. While they were there, she shared with me that they were able to recognize how God has been using them through this transition, maybe through their own wilderness, and how they were gaining energy from this retreat to continue to yield to God's will for their lives. This past Tuesday, following that week-long retreat of renewal, wilderness, he was laid off again. But you know what? Through that, what could have been easily taken as a big fat slap in the face from God it was used as an opportunity for pointing. See what God has done, his wife told me? God keeps doing God's work of being God, being grace in the wilderness, giving us liberation for those things that may seemingly 
take us down and turning those things to good. And what should we do? We have no choice. We have to yield. Let God lead and point to where God is guiding and providing, preparing a way in the wilderness. You know, just sitting here with you this morning, you guys point all the time. Sitting here listening to a wonderful history and legacy of missionary work, providing a way, pointing to God in the midst of a legacy of missionaries. And I met Lawrence. Goodness gracious, the gift that you guys have in Lawrence in this congregation. He's had a stroke, doesn't remember all the things that he wishes he could remember, but goodness, I look in his eyes and you feel God's warmth immediately. And if you didn't feel it, he, you hear it because he says it. He points to God all the time. That's what we're talking about, that kind of pointing. And then over here I watched, they're not here anymore, so I'll talk about them. Um, I watched sweet teenagers. I'm always wondering where the teenagers are. So I watched two teenagers sit there, and they're talking, you know, during the hymn. And guess what happens? Somebody picks out a hymnal, hands it to them. They're not handing it to them, say, it's time to behave. They're handing it to them because, you know what? I want to point to God. These words in the song are pointing to God. I watch as you guys point to God all of the time. So some of these things are really big things, like having a journey in a boat all the way to Myanmar. Some of it is realizing your limitations and pointing to God anyway. And sometimes it's as easy as opening a hymnal and saying, these words are for you too. Sing them. You may not believe them, but I want you to sing them and hear those words. Have any of you been keeping up with Malala this week? I'm telling you, if you have not heard of Malala, it is time that you did. Malala, brief story, she's a, she was a nominee for the Nobel Peace Prize for her courage in the face of threats, death threats in her home country of Pakistan over her advocacy for education for girls. On Thursday, she won the European Parliament's Sakharov Prize for Freedom of Thought. Malala, at 14, was shot in the head and the neck a year ago on her school bus by a gunman who was sent by the Taliban. She was shot because she was outspoken and she didn't have her head covered. He knew who she was, asked her name, and then he shot her. She's still alive. And this week on Jon Stewart, he had Malala on. And during the interview and the exchange, John, who has so much to say about practically everything, was speechless. After being in the presence of this girl, this messenger, John Stewart, he yielded. She was leading him, leading us in a world full of wilderness with her words and her actions. When asked what Malala would do if she were be, to be attacked again, she responded, I would hit him with a shoe. Then she paused and she said, if you hit the talib with your shoe, then there will be no difference between you and the talib. You have to fight others with peace, dialogue, and through education. I would tell him how important education is, and I would even want education for your children as well. The Pakistani girl clearly just said that. 
And then she said, that's what I want to tell you. Now do what you want. Remarkable. Making a way in the wilderness. And the best part of it, you look over, the camera spans over to John Stewart, and you know what he's doing? That's it. So what does this mean for you, for us? Sitting here in a Baptist church. For all of us who claim Christ, it is our opportunity to point, to use what God has brought us through to show God's grace and goodness. Not some of the time, not most of the time, every day. Our lives are not perfect. All of us are either in a wilderness, getting through a wilderness, or on our way into one. Amen? No matter where we are, we have an opportunity to reflect Christ through all of our wilderness, to be like John the Baptist. As he preached, he said, the real action comes next. The star in this drama, to whom I'm a mere stagehand, will change your life. I'm baptizing you here in the river, turning your old life in for a kingdom life. His baptism, a holy baptism, by the Holy Spirit will change you from the inside out. From the inside out. Friends, the kingdom of God is near. It's time to start pointing. Amen.